Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is great to be here tonight. Why don't you look at your neighbor, tell them you're glad to see them on campus. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you've chosen to be a part of the service tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I just want to begin the service tonight with prayer. Uh, there's a kids church going on upstairs, so we want to pray that God will pour out his spirit upstairs. Pray that God will be with us here in the main sanctuary. And let's just see what God will do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together and welcome his presence. Jesus, it is an honor. It is an absolute privilege to be in your house, to be with like-minded believers, to be in community with one another, but most importantly, with your spirit. And so, Lord, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving, and we enter into your courts with praise. And, Lord, we, we just align our, our mindset. We align our hearts and our spirits with what you would do in this place tonight. I pray you'd anoint Kids Church, Lord, our leaders, our teachers, the kids. Lord, pour out your spirit. I pray you'd anoint us here in the main session in the sanctuary. Lord, let your word challenge our hearts, draw us closer to you. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Before pastor comes to, to lead Bible study and teach from the word of God, I want to remind you of just a couple of things uh, that you will not want to forget. The first is, is that daylight savings time uh, is this weekend. I, I don't know if we're, are we going on daylight savings or leaving it or whatever, but you got to move your clock up on Saturday night, okay? So make a note of that. Uh, you got to move your clock forward and uh, if you don't, it's going to be bad news Sunday morning. And so please make a note of that. And it's very important that we're all here Sunday morning in the 11 o'clock service especially. I want you to come to the 10 o'clock for Sunday school, but especially the 11 o'clock. Brother Daryl Weber, our district superintendent, is going to be ministering in that service. And so we're excited that he's coming, uh, honored that it would work out with his schedule. And so uh, we want to come and be a part of that great service. Amen. Amen. And then one just uh, just kind of almost, in a sense, a housekeeping um, announcement. We've been mentioning that you can give to the humanitarian effort uh, in Ukraine through the church website. And uh, that is still the case. But I wanted to provide just a little bit of clarification. If you've gone to the website, perhaps, and maybe not seen the tab uh, right away or, or, or clearly, uh, if you go to the giving portion of the website or the app and click on missions, so that's your first step there. You got to click on missions. There's a sub tab under missions that says Ukraine. And so that's how you get to the proper area to give to that effort. And so we just wanted to make sure everybody understood that and knew where to go uh, and to be a part of that. We definitely want to be a blessing and be a part of this great effort uh, and, and just um, be with uh, at least in prayer and in finances with our brothers and sisters over in the Ukraine and all they're going through. So make a note of that. God bless you tonight. As pastor comes to teach Bible study, I'm going to ask you just to clap your hands to Jesus one more time and give him praise. Good evening, everybody. Great to see you tonight. And uh, thank you so much for being here uh, on Wednesday night for Bible study. And uh, I thoroughly appreciate you coming out tonight, uh, along with Brother Dave, if you would remember um, the effort in Ukraine, that would be uh, wonderful. Um, we may have a little more info about that this coming Sunday. Uh, also, just by way of 
just giving you some information. Um, we will probably announce this in the next Sunday or two. But uh, Brother Greg Albritton's ministry has been just so powerful and so amazing uh, for the past two Sundays. Uh, he's able to work it out in his schedule to be with us for the first three Sundays in April. And uh, so we're really looking forward to that. I'd really appreciate you folks being in prayer about that and uh, just ask the Lord to continue to have his way. And I, I feel a hunger and an openness from Grace Church to just want to go to a level in Jesus that is just indescribable. And uh, so <clears throat> remember that. Um, if you have plans that would take you away on a Sunday, those three Sundays in April, I'd seriously consider trying to change it. Uh, you don't want to miss. It's going to be a great, great time. And I, I feel like um, we've been plowing the field, plowing the field, and I believe God has given the increase of it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to these three Sundays in April um, that, that he will be with us, and I believe God is going to use him in just a magnificent way. Uh, I believe we're going to see miracles and signs and wonders. This past Sunday, uh, to me, <clears throat> miracles and such is what uh, this past Sunday produces. It's the byproduct of it. We, our, our faith has been restored and faith has been healed. Um, faith has recovered. And um, I believe it's a it's an amazing thing. It's been an amazing thing to watch God do just tremendous, tremendous things. So remember that. And then I have an announcement for y'all Sunday, but I'm going to wait till the kids are in here. We've got a big, huge announcement for them uh, this coming Sunday. All of our, our, our children, uh, particularly 10 and under, we're going to have a really cool announcement for them Sunday. So remember that as well. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> well, let's go to the word of the Lord. I've been... Uh, teaching on the past several Wednesday nights, number of Wednesday nights, either the standard of something or the law of something. Tonight is going to be no exception in what I'm making an effort to do is weave our Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights together. Uh, you may not see that or understand that, but um, that's been my effort and will be... Um, my effort again here tonight. Um, what I want to talk to you tonight, and it may sound like a, a kind of a peculiar title when I give it to you in just a moment, uh, but after what happened Sunday, uh, I hope tonight's presentation will be very impactful to you. <clears throat> I want to read from Matthew 13, and before I do, I'd like to mention and remind you that I believe it was two Wednesday nights ago, I read to you from a, a scripture setting in Mark where Jesus is essentially saying the same thing. So this may sound similar to you, but the application is going to be a whole lot different. Matthew 13, verse 11, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he has. 
Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. <clears throat> I hope that scripture sounds familiar uh, to some of you, because we preached a, or taught a very uh, impactful Bible study just several Wednesday nights ago using the same scripture setting, but from the book of Mark. Tonight I want to talk to you about the law of habit. The law of habit, and it may not, don't, don't try to judge right now what this is going to be. This is not going to be some kind of a motivational speech and, and what have you. We're going, to, we're going to plow into some things tonight. I'm thankful our young folks are in here with us tonight. I certainly want to put a huge application of this to them. But to all of our moms and dads here tonight, uh, um, I just I just continually strive for more. I, I think all of you know that. Uh, I believe we're we're just the tip of the iceberg as far as the kingdom of heaven is concerned. I believe there's so much more that we can have if we could open our minds, prepare our minds, and what have you. So tonight, I want to go down that path with you for a little while. When most people hear the word habit. Usually a negative thought <clears throat> pops into their mind. For some reason, most people think of a habit as being negative. But I want you to notice the screens. Uh, somebody wrote one time, the secret to your future lies in your daily habits. So ask yourself right now, are my habits today going to help me achieve my why in life? I think that is a very powerful question. So if you will ask the question with an open heart and mind, you may find that the answer, if you will listen to it, is life empowering. A pastor I understand from Sioux City shared the following, and it really underscores what I want to talk to you about tonight. The title of this is I Am Habit. He wrote, I am your constant companion. I am your greatest helper or your heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down to failure. I am completely at your command. Half the things you do, you might just as well turn over to me, and I will be able to do them quickly and correctly. I am easily managed. You must merely be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want something done. And after a few lessons, I will do it automatically. I am the servant of all great men, and alas, of all failures as well. Those who are great, I have made great. I am not a machine, though I work with all precision of a machine plus the intelligence of man. You may run me for profit or run me for ruin. It makes no difference to me. Take me. Train me, be firm with me, and I will put the world at your feet. Be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Who am I? I am habit. If you commit today to begin each day preparing for the day ahead through prayer and Bible reading, I know from my own experience your entire life will change in a positive fashion very quickly. Far too many people are like a car with the emergency brake set, the transmission is in gear, and the accelerator is being pressed. Basically, they stay in one place 
with their wheels spinning. They're making a lot of noise, but they're not going anywhere. All they need to do is release the brake and they will move toward their destiny, their why, and life. So each of us here tonight needs to consider our habits and ask ourselves this question. Again, notice the screen. Can I recommend my habits to someone I truly love and care about? Could you recommend your habit of Bible reading to someone else? Could you recommend your habit of prayer to someone else? Could you recommend your habit of church attendance to someone else that you really care about? How about your children? Would you like to recommend your habits to your children? Your entire future lies in your daily routine. Your habits, whether they're positive or negative, you have the ability right now, everybody here tonight has the ability right now to decide what your habits will begin to be. And of course, a habit is a pattern of behavior acquired by frequent repetition, a customary action. Habits are routines of behavior that are repeated regularly and tend to occur subconsciously. Habitual behavior sometimes goes unnoticed in persons exhibiting them because it is often unnecessary to engage in self-analysis when undertaking a routine task. Habituation is a form of non-associative learning in which an innate response to a stimulus decreases after repeated or prolonged presentations of that stimulus. For example, a German shepherd dog can be trained as the ferocious accomplice to evil intent. But the same highly intelligent canine can also be schooled to be a helpful companion for the visually impaired. It's a learned behavior. So in the same way, habits are learned behaviors that become a powerful force in our lives for good or bad. Every habit, every habit is either Christ-centered or self-centered. A virtue or a vice. Potentially a beauty or a beast. Some common habits we find among people today are uh, onychophagia, which is nail-biting, which research has determined can cause ringworms in people. You bite your nails too much. I've known some nail-biters, and uh, two of them that really stand out in my mind that I've known so very well for a number of years was able to break that habit. And it got to the point where I didn't want to shake hands with either one of them. Because their hands... Has been in their mouth. And then there's rhinolithiasis. Does anybody here know what that is off the top of your head? Don't blurt it out, but just raise your hand. You know what that is, anybody? I'm going to be very discreet with this, as discreet as I can. It has to do with taking the very tip of your finger and shoving it up one of your nostrils. That's what this has to do with. To put it in a 
very simple layman's terms, it's called nose picking. <laughs> and nose pickers, according to Wikipedia, are often called pointers in modern slang. And although this is a very common habit, it is a mildly taboo activity in most cultures. In case you all didn't know that, now you do. If you have that habit, you may want to be a little more discreet with it and buy you a box of Kleenex, I, I, I guess. I don't know what to do about that. Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, uh, is, is under the, the heading of, of habit. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. Procrastination is a habit. I know people that are always late. And I know people that always procrastinate. The, the motto, um, the theme of the procrastinators don't do anything today that you can possibly put off until tomorrow. Uh, we know from young children that thumb sucking uh, can be habitual and even bulimia, uh, some say, some research, researchers say, is a habit. But not all habits are bad. And in fact, we should strive to develop habits, good ones that is, as brooks make rivers and rivers turn to seas. Our motivations and actions are the brooks that make the rivers of habit which eventually run into the sea of our destiny. Zig Ziglar once said, motivation gets you going and habits get you there. Make, motiv uh, make motivating a habit and you will get there more quickly and have more fun on the journey. One man said, motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. Uh, Frank Clark said, a habit is something you can do without thinking, which is why most of us have so many of them. That was meant to be humorous. I guess that flew right over all of y'all's head and just hit the wall back there and bounced harmlessly to the floor. Uh, all habits are, if you'll notice the screen, first of all, it's habitual. They occur with regularity, automatic. They happen without thinking. Habits are behavioral. They reflect our inner morals. I'd like for some of you to think about that. Uh, they can be intense, they grow stronger and become, become more ingrained, they're tenacious, they persist and become hard to change, and they're satisfying because they provide a degree of pleasure. But I want you to know what Jesus said, and I'd like for you to take it in the context of this presentation tonight in Luke 16, 13. He said, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon means world and worldliness. So this is a principle of immense importance. And like other weighty sayings, appears to have been uttered by our Lord on more than one occasion and in different connections. But as a great ethical principle, we see it in operation everywhere. Under the general law of habit and virtue of which moral principles become stronger by exercise while by disuse or the exercise of their contraries they wax weaker and at length expire. This is so applicable to spiritual things. If you don't keep doing it consistently, eventually you will stop. I've never known of anybody that's, that's been able to maintain spiritual things without forming some degree of habit 
and this is just what I do every day. This is what I default to every day. This is a lifestyle I default to every day. This, the way I think is what I default to every day, etc. This principle reigns in the intellectual world and even in the animal world, if not the vegetable world as well, as the facts of physiology sufficiently prove. Here, however, is viewed as the divine administration. We're talking about a spiritual principle, the habit of using God's gifts properly, or, on the other hand, the habit of neglecting the opportunities given to us by God. If we develop the habit of using God's gifts properly, we will receive more of them, Jesus said. Until we have more than enough, or literally a surplus. Likewise, if we develop the habit of neglect as it relates to those very same gifts, we shall lose what could have been as well as what we already have. This point came to me in, in a, such a realistic way. Sister Murphy and I had lunch together today and she told me she had heard from an old friend. And uh, these people used to be in ministry. They, they used to evangelize and pastor and what have you. And, and I don't know what all happened, but uh, things didn't go well. Uh, they no longer... Are they in ministry of any kind? They don't even attend church anymore. They have no church whatsoever. And this, this principle I just talked about, the more you engage spiritual things, the more God gives you. The more God gives to you to engage spiritual things. But the more you neglect spiritual things, the spiritual things that you once had are taken away. And then there's no more potential to develop spiritual things. I hope that makes sense to everybody. So scripture teaches us that spirituality, that the spiritually receptive will get more and more while others become more foolish, spiritually speaking. This family that I just referenced, trying to be very careful here, family I just referenced was in church here one time. This was a man that used to be in the pulpit. He used to lead services. He led his own service as his pastor. I've seen him shout and dance and talk in tongues. I've seen him cry when he was in ministry. But now, by this time, he's probably 10 plus years removed from ministry. And he's sitting in Grace Church on a Sunday morning and sits there, arms folded. Face is completely blank. There's no staring straight ahead. Um, no effort to even clap his hands. It's like everything that he was did not exist anymore. And I believe this is what Jesus is talking about. When you fail to continue to develop spiritually, you will lose what you have spiritually. <clears throat> it's kind of fulfilled in this statement. The, the saying may originally have been a secular proverb, but I think it's applicable here right now, that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. In Proverbs chapter 9 verse 8 in the New Living Translation the Bible said don't bother correcting mockers. Everybody say mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise and they will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he, shall, he will increase 
and learning. The Bible is saying here that a wise man is most naturally in the habit of learning. He has learned to be flexible in terms of receiving instruction. So ask yourself tonight, are you a mocker or are you a wise person? You can tell by the way you respond to instruction and even criticism. Instead of replying with a quick, rigid put-down or clever retort when rebuked, listen to what is being said and be flexible enough to make any necessary changes. We've had folks come to Grace Church on occasions, and when they say this, it makes me nervous. Now, Pastor, if we do anything out of line or anything, don't hesitate to let us know about it. That shoots up a red flag with me quicker than anything else does because they are the very people that will not submit to anything like that. And that has been proven through the years. We have to understand, even from nature, that a tree that does not bend is in danger of being broken when a storm comes. A tall building that does not sway in the wind might break in a mighty hurricane. Flexibility, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, spiritually, is a necessity in life. When someone begins insensitive, when they become insensitive to reproof, that person loses spiritual resilience that helps him to bend rather than to break. So let's talk about for a moment tonight the habits that we need to shun. One man said, uh, his, Mignon uh, McLaughlin, in the, in the book that he wrote, The Neurotics Notebook, said that in any family, in any family, Measles is less contagious than bad habits. I want to ask you all again tonight, what, what habit do you have right now that you'd be willing to share with someone else? And I'd like for you to really think about that in light of your children. A Spanish proverb declares that habits are at first cobwebs and then they become cables. The fact that it is that every grown-up man is a creature of habit, although he is often unaware of it and even denies having any habits at all. Scripture uses the words like strongholds, slavery, and even bondage to paint a picture of being a prisoner to sin or living in the habit of sin. And although you may not be enslaved to some, to the more visible vices such as drunkenness or even gluttony, you may be held captive to a seemingly acceptable activity or to destructive and adverse attitudes. Sinful thoughts and emotions, if nurtured in your heart, can become habitual and take control, eventually producing negative behavior. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Sinful thoughts and emotions, if nurtured in your heart, take control and eventually produce negative behavior. Listen to Pastor tonight. I, I say this. I've said it numerous, numerous times. For example, if, if, if really bad things happen to you as a child, in one way or another, you're going to bring that into every relationship you have after that. If you have a bad parental relationship, you're going to carry it into your marriage. You're going to pass it down to your children. And one way or another, it happens to all of us. So again, sinful thoughts, things that are not dealt with, 
sinful emotions, things that are not conquered and, 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 and you reconcile with, etc. If these things are nurtured in your heart, they will take control of you and eventually produce negative behavior. I'll give you a list. Anger, materialism, arrogance, prejudice, criticism, rebelliousness, disrespect, envy, sarcasm, fear, self-ambition, greed, stubbornness, jealousy, unforgiveness, worry, lust. Some habitual actions are often not recognized as harmful addictions because you're unaware that a negative way of responding has become habitual. Arguing can become a habit. I just choose to argue. I choose to disagree. I just continually want to debate everything. And then there's a habit overworking yourself on the job. Our culture doesn't see that as a negative. Our culture doesn't see when the husband is never home or the wife is never home that it's negative on the family. They don't see that it's destroying the marriage. They don't see that it's destroying the kids and the kids don't have daddy time and mama time and, and all these kind of things. But it becomes a habit. And if you don't break that cycle in your own family, then your kids will grow up and repeat it with theirs. And it just continues and continues. That is also Bible as well. The psychologists call this OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder when someone has a habit of compulsive organizing, compulsive perfectionism, compulsive collecting, compulsive cleaning, compulsive exercising. Not really that prominent around here. Uh, but then there are the really negative ones such as compulsive arguing. Compulsive procrastination, compulsive shopping, compulsive credit card charging, compulsive gambling, compulsive time wasting. You can go on and on. The list goes on and on indefinitely. Bottom line, I'm going to share with you a Bible principle here, and I hope everybody listens tonight. Bad habits must be replaced by good habits. We all are going to have habits. I think we can agree with that. Everybody's going to have habits. So we, if we're going to have habits, they must be good ones. The Bible principle is God told Moses that before the Israelites settled in the promised land, that they should drive out the wicked inhabitants and destroy their idols. In Colossians 3, Paul encourages us to live as Christians in the same manner, throwing away our old way of living and moving ahead into a new life of obedience way the kingdom works. I know we emphasize faith a lot and it's a major major part of our lives but also also is obedience. So like the Israelites moving into the promised land we can destroy the wickedness in our life or we can settle down and live with it. To move in and possess the new life in the kingdom of God we must drive out sinful thoughts, sinful practices and make room or new ones. Bad habits deserve no mercy. So when taken over a nation, the Israelites were supposed to destroy every pagan altar and idol in the land. God knew. God knew 
it would be easy for them to change their beliefs if they started using these pagan altars. They would literally change what they believe to accommodate the altar they're bowing to. We preach no compromise. Stand your ground. we got to live the Word of God, live the Word of God, live the Word of God. The reason we do is because God knows if we don't hold our ground, we will sacrifice everything we have at a pagan altar of sinfulness and worldliness. God knows that. And all of us here tonight, maybe we have small children that may not know, but all the adults here tonight knows of people who were once stalwart in faith, stalwart in their testimony, stalwart in their lifestyle, found a pagan altar of worldliness, whatever it is, and decided, I'm going to throw my family away, throw my life away, I'm going to throw my job away, I'm going to throw everything away so I can worship and appease this God. You cannot serve a God more fair and more just than the God that we serve tonight. He will bless you more and he can increase you more than anything else on this planet. So we too should ruthlessly find and remove any sinners of false worship in our life. These activities, attitudes, possessions, relationships, places or habits, anything. Anything that tempts us to turn our hearts from God and do wrong must go. They must be destroyed. That must be dealt with. We should never flatter ourselves. We should never flatter ourselves by thinking we're too strong to be tempted. Well, history's a great teacher. History is a great teacher. And I have yet to meet anybody that's been too strong to be tempted. Israel learned that lesson the hard way. We have to depend on God's power in us to combat bad habits. We all have areas where temptation is strong and habits are hard to conquer. These weaknesses give the devil a foothold. So we must deal with our areas of vulnerability. Bad habits must be changed with determination in God's help. And there's three steps that are necessary to find victory over prevailing sin in our lives. And that is to seek the power of the Holy Ghost. To seek the power of the Holy Ghost and to put the word of God in our heart. David said the reason he did it was so that he wouldn't sin against God. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Because I will, don't want to sin against God. Number two. Huge. Stay away from tempting situations don't allow yourself to be placed in a place where you can be tempted i'll tell you one vice i do not have and i've never had it is gambling i am not going to go down to one of these boats down on the river and just give somebody three or four hundred dollars and walk away with nothing i'm just i'm just not going to do it the the odds of winning they they use the same odds as as life insurance companies I mean, okay, what's the probability of this guy dying? Okay, it's 85%. We need to jack up this premium. If it's pretty low, we can lower it a little bit. They use the same thing. But I'll tell you what did happen to me. <clears throat> I worked a uh, secular job. I uh, was working for a company 
uh, named Bove Engineers. They're, they're not in business anymore, even though the building is, is still standing. It's still an engineering firm, but not that one. And it was around the time Casey was born. And um, we didn't have computers back then. I was thinking about that today and thought, how weird. Nobody had a computer. All the drafting was done on the board by, by a pen or a pencil, and nobody had computers. Nobody had smartphones. I don't know how they functioned. I don't know how we functioned. I just don't know how we made it through the day. I just, people just on Xanax and Prozac and all these other Zacks. And, but somehow we made it. <clears throat> somehow we made it. And uh, Sister Murphy and I, of our own decision, we weren't making a lot of money. She was staying at home with our kids and it's what we agreed to do. And so I didn't go out for lunch that much. She had packed me a lunch. And so I would eat it. And there were, there were men in the office. I liked all of them. It's a great place to work. I had about 120 people under roof, and, and everybody just, it was a great, it was probably one of the greatest places I've ever worked where there was such chemistry with everybody. And there was a group of men that played a card game every day during lunch called Boo Ray. Has anybody ever heard of that? Raise your hand if you've heard of it. A lot of people. Wow. The coolest game ever if you could take gambling out of it. And I have thought and thought and thought, how can you do that and not gamble? How can you play that game? Maybe some of y'all have, have figured it out. But anyway, the, you ante up a nickel, and the dealer deals out the cards. You get five, and when the dealer's done dealing his hand, he turns over the last card face up, and that's the suit that's the trump for that hand. And I would watch that. I'd never heard of it, and I'd just go in there. I had nothing else to do. I didn't have a computer to surf the Internet and... Amazon wasn't in existence, and Google, and all these things. Yahoo back then was another word for hoorah. You know, if you find a dollar on the ground, Yahoo! Now it has a whole new meaning, whatever. And uh, But you needed at least three people to play. Now, this is the rules they had. I don't know if y'all had the same rules or not back when y'all used to be centers and play it. Um, I'm teasing. It's just, I set you up by having you raise your hand. Uh, but anyway, you had to have at least three men to play, and, and there was a couple of days they only had two, and they had asked me, come on, man, and play. No, no, no. And I wanted to so bad. It, it just looked fun. It was easy. It was just fun. First of all, we didn't have no money to play Boo-Ray. I very rarely even had money in my wallet back in those days. Still don't have a lot now, for that matter. Um, but I, I came to work one day and, and just bored out of my mind, went in there, and there was only two guys there, and I think I had a dollar and a quarter in my wallet. And uh, I said, come on, Murph, come play, come play. All right, I'll play. And they're, ah, yay, yay. It took months for them to whittle me down, but they did. And I sat down, and I was a nervous wreck. My conscience was killing me. And I thought, if I lose this money, Sister Murph's going to find out about it. And then she's going to know what I did with it. Now I'm going to have to lie. And just one sin leads to another, to another, to another. You're not going to believe it. I sat down and started playing. And uh, right after I sat down, as the devil would have it, about three or four more men came in. And we had to move to another place in the office to accommodate that many people around the table. So we moved. And uh, they had taken limits off of how much you could put in the middle of the table. There's a name for that, and I can't think of it right now. Uh, how much you can ante up. And um, they had had a $2 maximum. If you boo-rayed and, and lost the hand, you had to put in $2. They took the limit off of that. 
and there was forty-something dollars in the middle of the table, and I was a teetotal nervous wreck. My conscience was killing me that I was sitting here deliberately sinning, a gambler. But I sure was enjoying it. <laughs> And the stress was unbelievable, but there's another part. I'm just being honest here tonight. I was a hypocrite. It was before I went in ministry. I wasn't even a preacher back then, so y'all quit judging me. <clears throat> and um, the dealer dealt the hand, and as I picked up my hand, I had the ace, king, queen, and jack of spades. And he turned his car over, and it was a spade. I won. I, was be, I could be at everybody's table. Nobody could out-trump me. And so when everybody was done, I just said, look, I'm going to save y'all some time. I just laid my hand down, and I took all of that money. I didn't have to explain to Sister Murphy what happened to my $2. I had to explain to her where that 80-something dollars came from because a guy boo-rayed, and he had, to par, he had to match the pot. So $40 turned into $80, and I was hiding it in all different parts of my wallet. As she oftentimes goes through my wallet looking for money, I've hidden it before so I can have some and not be embarrassed at the grocery store when I need money and then there's none in there because she took it and forgot to tell me. So I'm hiding that money everywhere. And I told the guys when the game was over, I said, um, I'm not doing this no more. Don't ask. Uh, I'm done with it. And I went to the man privately that lost the game so bad and had to pay $40. I set 40 bucks back on his desk and said, here, I don't want your money. He said, no, no, no. We played the game. I gambled it away. It's your money. So I very begrudgingly took it back and put it back in my wallet. <laughs> How old are you, Casey? That was 39 years ago. Get over it. All right. I have not done that since. Ever again have I done that again. I learned my lesson. Learned my lesson. The point is, is to stay away from tempting situations. If you struggle with alcohol, don't go to a bar with your buddy when, when y'all are done at work. Don't do that. Tell him no. I'm going home to my family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The third thing you can do is to seek help in the body of Christ. And I want to say here at Grace Church, I feel like I know Grace Church as well, or probably more than anybody, most people in this room right now. And if you need somebody to support you, somebody to grab you by the hand, if you'll reach out to some, there's people here that will help you. There's people here. Case in point, this past Sunday when people would come stand in those basins of water, two or three ladies, I was amazed, I was amazed, would gather around, just kneel right at their feet, and as soon as they stepped out, the person stepped out of that basin of water. There were ladies there to wipe their feet. So to seek help from the body of Christ, to be open to their willingness to hold you accountable and to pray for you. And I could talk a long time about this, but I, I need to move on. So this brings me to the point, and I'm getting close to conclusion, that there's habits that we need to maintain, and this is what I've come to say tonight. Grace Church is in a, I feel like we're in a better place right now than we've been in years. After, especially after the past, past two Sundays. And I realize that we've done a lot of work, we've done a lot of plowing, we've done a lot of preaching, a lot of praying, a lot of fasting, teaching, all of that. But we're in a wonderful place. Now is a great time to develop a great habit towards the kingdom of God. Now is a time to do that. It's easier now than it's ever been. Y'all understand that? Now is a time to get your heart really right with God if it's not. Now's the time to get junk out of your life that shouldn't be there, that you know shouldn't be there. Okay, so habits we need to maintain. 
they say it takes at least 21 to 30 days to form a habit. This means that you have to do something at least 21 times over a period of 21 to 30 days before it becomes, begins to become a part of your everyday routine. So this lets us know that if we do something regular enough, long enough, it will become a routine, a practice, and a habit to us. Everything that we think and do affects our character. Everything we think and do affects our character and even our destiny. The habits that we, that we have, uh, we, we have to dictate the kind of lives that we want to live. We have to be in control of it. We have to be in control of it. Noah Webster made a habit of building up the lives of children in America and providing an education for them. As a result, Webster was called the schoolmaster of America. Noah Webster spent 10 months with Benjamin Franklin in Philadelphia and helped develop the Americanization of spelling. His dictionaries, which after 1843 were based on the Bible and Christian virtues, sold between 24 and 100 million copies. The virtue that characterized the life of Noah Webster was faithfulness. Webster, who made it a habit to educate the youth of America, wrote this, the, the following. Education comprehends all that series of instruction and discipline which is intended to enlighten the understanding, correct the temper, and form the manners and habits of youth and fit them for usefulness in their future station. To be sure, humans are creatures of habit, good and bad. And because of this, it is our best interest to work in developing good habits in our personal lives. Allow me to share with you a few good habits we should start today and maintain. Bible reading is a great habit. Read your Bible every day. Worship is a habit. We're in a good place right now. This should be easy to do. This should be easy to start. We're not in the middle of COVID anymore. We're all the stuff going on. And our world is bearing down on us right now. The, the war in Ukraine, Russia is just seemingly going crazy with, with all this stuff. All I can feel in my heart right now is rapture, 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 rapture. Another Bible study for another time. But worship is a habit we should start and maintain in our lives. And that would be demonstrative worship as well as faithful attendance to church. Jesus even modeled a habit of worship that we should imitate. He went to the synagogue, the Bible said, as usual. He attended services every week. Prayer is another habit we should maintain in our lives. Tithing is an excellent habit to develop. It is also a commandment. The Bible makes the purpose of tithing very clear to put God first in our life, and it is a manifestation of that fact. We are to give God the first and best of what we earn. For example, what we do first with our money shows what we value the most. Giving the first tenth of our paycheck to God immediately focuses our attention on Him. It also reminds us that all we have belongs to God. So a habit of regular tithing can keep God at the top of our priority list and give us a proper perspective on everything else that we have. In essence, what Jesus is teaching us in our text is that we make a habit of being spiritually perceptive and receptive and we will get more and more, is what Jesus is saying. The same verse is in a different context in Mark 4. And we learn, we learn that from the law of increase several 
Wednesday nights ago, Jesus said, For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And we talked about that a few moments ago. He went on to say, With what measure you give out, it will be measured back to you that again. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Who would not want God's increase? He can do more with us than we ever could. So the context of both shows that if you make a habit of learning and sharing, the more you'll receive for yourself. In fact, Jesus may very well have meant the more generous you are in giving money or in teaching and so on, the more you will ultimately possess. Remember, if you're faithful over small things, he will make you a ruler over many things, he said in Matthew 25. Today's English version says, you have been faithful in managing small amounts, so I will put you in charge of large accounts. The Message Bible said, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. So in conclusion tonight, a habit is either a cork or lead. It pushes you up or pulls you down. To understand the potential, good or bad, of your habits, look at the context of the Scripture to draw some helpful conclusions. In Proverbs 3, 5, and I conclude with this tonight. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. You want a habit to develop where everything you do, everything you do, no matter what happens in your life, you default to the kingdom first. You default to God. You default to the Bible. You default to prayer, to worship, to praise, to giving, etc. If you do that, God will increase you more and more and more. And there's people here tonight that are a living testimony of that. So one writer said, so a thought reap an action, so an action reap a habit, so a habit reap a character, so a character reap a destiny. God bless you tonight. That is the law of habit. I hope tonight that all of us will develop better and better in our relationship with God and literally what we do with him, for him, in our lives becomes just literally who we are. Just It's just who we are. God bless you tonight. Thank you tonight for your time, your patience, and hearing the word of God. And we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. Remember, Brother Weber will be here. You'll not want to miss that service. It's going to be a great time in the Holy Ghost. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning.